Eat Drink DFW from the Dallas Morning News is made possible by Central Market. Hey, North Texas food fans, welcome to Eat Drink DFW from the Dallas Morning News. Each week, we dish on the local restaurant scene, food and drink trends, cooking and shopping tips, and unpack everything that makes North Texas one of the most vibrant, diverse, and ambitious food scenes in the country. I'm your host, food editor Aaron Bookie, and today we have a very special guest, TV and theater star Michael Yuri. He grew up in Plano and is back in town to direct a play for Uptown Players, and he stopped by our studios to chat about Chili's, Whataburger, his favorite new martini, and why he'll never forget to tip. Our food team also dives into why barbecue has so many hot-blooded family feuds. It all gets started right after this. Central Market is really into food. Like, when we say cheese, it's in 12 languages into food. Butchers, bakers, and sushi roll makers into food. We're talking so obsessive about quality you can shop blindfolded into food. Central Market is really into food. If you are too, then let us turn your shopping list into a treasure map. Get inspired, get adventurous, or just get a chef-made dinner when you've got more taste buds than time. No place makes every meal more amazing like Central Market. Really into food. Shop now at centralmarket.com. Welcome back, everyone. Be sure to go to dallasnews.com slash food after this for information on our show and lots of food and drink stories. And you can always share your thoughts with us at eatdrink at dallasnews.com. Later on, we'll be talking with actor Michael Yuri, But right now, I'm joined by food writers Sarah Blaskovich and Claire Baller to talk about what's trending. So this week, we had some really big news on the Dallas restaurant scene. Homewood Restaurant, which has been around on Oakland Avenue since 2019, closed. And Claire Ballard, you reported on that. Yeah, so Homewood is closed. This was a neighborhood restaurant in the Oakland neighborhood of Dallas. It opened in 2019. And it was a very well-known, very popular restaurant in Dallas and is a big loss for many in the Dallas restaurant community. It was known for a farm-to-table kind of approach. They grew a lot of their own produce for the restaurant, and it was a seasonal menu that changed for Frequently, so it was an exciting place to keep going back to for many people. The restaurant was one of several restaurants in this similar situation that we've covered in past months that unfortunately just couldn't make it financially, it sounds like. There were issues with generating enough revenue from what we were told. And that's been kind of a common story, unfortunately, that we've heard. That's the same for RM 1220 in East Dallas. And it was the same for Modest Rogers that closed also in the Oakland area. So unfortunately, this is kind of a little bit of a trend that we're seeing. One of the most iconic dishes at Homewood were the Parker House rolls. Those were created and championed by pastry chef Maggie Huff. Uh, and I, I loved them. And I, I loved that everyone else loved them, too. It's like it's an upscale neighborhood restaurant with maybe some of the folks who eat there a lot aren't huge bread consumers. And yet there was such a love for these rolls that I think a lot of us felt like we couldn't make it home and they were just really special. Last time I was at Homewood was in January and Maggie Huff didn't work there anymore. And so unfortunately, I didn't have the rolls on my last time at Homewood and I did ask about them. And of course, they weren't there because the person who made them so perfect was not there. Uh, Another dish that I really love is the Parmesan soup. I think it left the menu for a little bit and then came back. And I did have that Parmesan soup in January. We shared it, which was a mistake because we really should have each gotten our own. That's how special that soup is to me. One other thing that I loved there, I had a mocktail in January when I was doing damp January, and it was a simple syrup made with saffron and cilantro that I just loved so much and ended up recreating at home on those nights when we wanted a cocktail, but we're not drinking. There's a lot from Homewood that I think a lot of us will miss. Those are my three high points. I had really one of the most life-changing dishes at Homewood, the ricotta gnocchi. 
I mean, it was just delicious. Just the pillowy, savory. It was amazing comfort food, but it was still light. And it was just really a genius dish. And I also loved that Homewood paired with local tea companies to create tea pairings. I think they were really one of the first restaurants in Dallas to really embrace tea culture. Erin, I think your suggestion that the ricotta gnocchi dish was so special kind of encapsulates Homewood because we all remember a place where we had a dish or two that you'll tell stories about forever. And I just love that Homewood did that for you, Erin. And I feel like it has done it for a lot of people. Okay. So another big story on the restaurant scene, Sarah, you wrote about this last week, was another trademark lawsuit, actually, but this time in the barbecue world. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. And I want to first say, I don't want to be the restaurant trademark reporter <laughs> in this town. It's We had back-to-back the Carbone's trademark lawsuit and now the Hutchins barbecue lawsuit. But um, this stuff is complicated, you guys. So what is happening is Tim Hutchins, who is the majority owner of Hutchins Barbecue in McKinney in Frisco, is kind of teaming up with one of his two brothers. He's teaming up with Tracy Hutchins, also known as Trey. And they're suing their oldest brother, Wesley Hutchins, and their dad, Roy Hutchins. And the reason they're doing that is because Wesley and Roy want to open a new Hutchins Barbecue and Trophy Club. And I remember when this news landed, it was like, oh, how interesting. The family is opening a new barbecue place. And the two behind McKinney and Frisco say, no, no. Yes, it is family, but we don't have anything to do with this new Hutchins Barbecue. So the two younger brothers in McKinney and Frisco have two trademarks for the Hutchins Barbecue name. You can file them federally with a USPTO. They filed this lawsuit using those two trademarks as bolster to say, even though we all share the same last name, we do not want you to name a barbecue restaurant that's similar or the same as ours. So what I loved about this story is all the comments we got from readers. They were all quite thoughtful. You know, I saw a lot like, oh, no, this is Tim and Trey's restaurant. And the others were like, no, this is his dad's. So it seemed quite evenly split. Although my favorite comment was this one. The problem with last names is your family members have the same one. I wish mine were Disney. I'd open all sorts of stuff. I don't think that's how trademarks work. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Another comment was, it's almost not Texas barbecue if there isn't a family feud involved. Yes. And I think we all know that because Sarah kind of looked into all of these other barbecue family feuds. When this story was brewing, uh, when I was reporting it, it just seemed very familiar, right? Don't we know about other barbecue families who have fought? And yes, we do. Um, One example is Kreitz Market, which is a hundred and some odd years old. The family members, almost a hundred years after it opened, had a disagreement. And what came of that is they split apart. And there are now two restaurants from that same family in the same tiny town of Lockhart, Texas. There's Kreitz Market and there's Smitty's Market. That's just one example. We have the Miller family who started in Taylor, Texas. They've split into several different barbecue restaurants, some just because they wanted to split off and others because they had contentious situations around not wanting to work together. I have a story that lists for barbecue feud. So you can read the other two on dallasnews.com slash food. But what I did was I went to Daniel Vaughn, the barbecue editor for Texas Monthly, and in my opinion, the best mind in the state when it comes to how the barbecue business works. And I said, like, what's the deal with barbecue people being upset with one another? This seems like sort of a trend. And he gave a couple of reasons, which I think make a lot of sense. 
Barbecue restaurants are often family owned. So you're working with family and then you go home and they're still there and they're still your family. That's challenging. Also, a lot of these barbecue restaurants have tons and tons of history. So let's say it's gone through a couple generations. The first guy and whoever he ran the restaurant with, maybe they agreed. But what happens when you pass it down to daughters and sons or nephews and nieces? Do they agree with the way that it was run the first way around? How about if you do another generation? Seems like disagreement could and would happen if a restaurant's been around 100 plus years and you've got a bunch of family members who've been involved. And then these, because these barbecue restaurants are family run, they're also part of these folks' identity. And so it's very emotional. If somebody were to break apart and open a new barbecue restaurant in your same town, in your same family, that can seem hurtful. And so we've watched lawsuits happen like the Hutchins family based on some of that hurt, based on a little bit of stubbornness, based on the idea that families shouldn't have to compete against other families. I think it's really interesting what you said about identity, because a lot of these places, they do put their names on the restaurant. Yes. You know, a lot of people, when they start a restaurant, they don't put their name on it. But in the barbecue business, it's almost always someone's name. It will be fascinating to see whether those trademarks work to protect their last name or whether a judge or a jury will decide that anybody with that last name should be able to run a business like that. I I don't have any idea what that answer is. I think there's a very obvious TV show opportunity here of like cooking competition meets like Real Housewives and (laughs) take these family barbecue feuds and put them head to head. (laughs) Who makes the best barbecue? Yeah. Toss in a little like kind of a Duck Dynasty vibe here, you know, because you got a bunch of you got some small town (laughs) folks. You got some epic beards, probably. That's an awesome idea. I love that. (laughs) So another big story we've been talking about is this New York Times style magazine story with the headline, When Did Hospitality get so hostile. I thought this part was interesting. The restaurant has become an arena for both sides, the servers and the served, each wary of the other, each suspecting themselves undervalued and taken advantage of. What do you guys think about that? Do you think this plays out in Dallas as well? Erin, I think it's possible that there's sort of a hostile environment. But what I will say is that Texans are generally known to be friendly And I find that in restaurants, these are still happy places. I love to seek out a restaurant where the servers love to serve, and I then love to be a customer. And I'd like to say that I think there are lots of those in Dallas. Yeah, I agree. And even Alyssa Nguyen, gaming foodie, who we had on last week, mentioned coming from California to Texas. And she said, Texas, the hospitality is just off the charts compared to California. But I I do understand the roots of kind of what they're talking about. There's a tension there, definitely, between servers and diners. But what do you guys think? Like, what is hospitality? To me, it's it's like going to a restaurant and feeling like you are being hosted at someone's home almost. I do kind of feel like a lot of the joy and spontaneity of dining is disappearing, at least for me. Just the way that reservations have become so difficult, that just is a complete spontaneity killer. The story also gets to the fact that there is tension between um, servers and diners stemming from a fact that there seems to be a misunderstanding or lack of respect on both ends, that servers often don't feel respected for their profession, which is a profession and a respectable one. And diners, I think more frequently since the pandemic have had negative dining experiences with bad service. And I I think a lot of that goes back to the labor issue that you see in the restaurant industry. I think there's like a growing impatience 
everyone is like, if you delay one second helping me, you know, like it's just, it's just super intense. Erin, I think you're exactly right. And I, I think I have the answer. Oh, okay. okay. Eat at a Tex-Mex restaurant where they give you chips and salsa pretty close to when you sit down and everybody's going to be okay. You get something to nibble on, you take the edge off. I mean, I so agree with the impatience and we see it not just in restaurants in our everyday lives, but sit down at a place where you can snack. And I think everybody might just chill out a little bit. Yeah, I think chips and salsa are pretty much the answer and solution to everything. That was my hope. Just throw some chips and salsa at it. Yep. Thanks, everyone. Stick around. We're going to talk to actor Michael Yuri about his childhood food favorites and his new favorite Dallas restaurant. That's right after this. Central Market is really into food. Like when we say cheese, it's in 12 languages into food. Butchers, bakers, and sushi roll makers into food. We're talking so obsessive about quality you can shop blindfolded into food. Central Market is really into food. If you are too, then let us turn your shopping list into a treasure map. Get inspired, get adventurous, or just get a chef-made dinner when you've got more taste buds than time. No place makes every meal more amazing like Central Market. Really into food. Shop now at centralmarket.com. Welcome back, everyone. We have a very fun and special guest with us today. Actor Michael Yuri is here. You may know him as Mark St. James from the hit TV series Ugly Betty and also from his roles on Modern Family, Partners and The Good Wife. He also has an award winning theater career and he's currently in North Texas directing Silver Foxes with Uptown Players at the Theater 3, which runs March 2nd through 12th. Hi, Michael. Hi. And so we're also here with Julie Fisk, our producer, because you guys have actually known each other for a long time, right? Yeah. Yes. Michael came on when I was doing mornings at KVIL with Tony Zaza. And a bunch it, of times. Oh, wow. Yes, a bunch of times. And it was when you were doing Buyer and Seller. Right. I remember you gave us tickets so we could go and see it. It was so amazing. Oh. You're so amazing. You're so great. But <laughs> the you. best part is that you gave me better seats than Tony. So <laughs> I, I have always adored you for that. Well, Thank I know you. where my bread is buttered. <laughs> Since this is a food podcast, right. I, oh. I know where my bread is. <laughs> nice callback. We appreciate the food references. Well, that, there was a lot of food in that show, actually. Actually, that show is a play about a man who gets hired to work in the basement mall at Barbara Streisand's house, which exists. She has a mall in her basement. Of yeah. course. Of course she does. Of yes. course she does. <laughs> the guy doesn't exist. As far as we know, that's fiction. But I played all the characters. And one of the shops in the mall is a sweets shop where there's a frozen yogurt machine. This is all true. There is really a frozen yogurt machine in the basement mall of Barbara Streisand's house. Did she ever come and see it? Was no. there ever? Oh, she never came. She never, she never sent me flowers. She never came to see it. Um, we filmed it for PBS and I'm told she saw that version. It wasn't mean. It made light of the mall. Um, we definitely like had a lot of jokes at her expense, but it yeah. wasn't mean spirited. It was written because we love her. And yeah. And also, you know, she's been herself for so long. I mean, she's <laughs> yes, 80. That's true. She's like, that's like a 60 year career. And she's been famous basically that whole time. So like, I don't think she really gets why that's funny to us that she has a mall in her basement. I don't think she really understands like, <laughs> you know, I think it took years before she realized that it's funny that drag queens dress up like her. Right. And yeah. so, you know, maybe in another 15, 20 years, she'll be like, oh, I guess it is funny that there's a mall in my basement. And it's entirely possible that Barbara Streisand would live to be 110 years old and live long enough to get the joke. Like, yeah. that wouldn't surprise me oh, at yeah. all. Come back around. Yeah. Or clone herself as yeah. she did her dogs. You know, she cloned <laughs> yeah. her dogs. That's probably already happened, honestly. Yes, there's another Barbara Streisand living in, in the basement. There's in like the a, basement. In the shop, there's a cryogenic freezer. And... <laughs> How often do you get to Dallas? Um, I come whenever I can. I don't have family here anymore, but I still have okay. a lot of friends here. My 
sister and I left Texas many years ago. I left when I was 19 to move to New York, but I come whenever I can. I, anytime there's a gig, I take it because I love coming here. Just being in Dallas and watching how it's changed over the years, which is like immensely. Even Plano, where I grew up, has changed a lot. Yeah. And, you know, Plano kind of used to be the end of the road. There was McKinney and like much smaller towns beyond Plano. But now Frisco is massive. That's where you would go to get your tie cut off at that steakhouse. And that was basically it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and there's going to be an amusement park. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's crazy. Oh, That's, yeah. I didn't recognize a thing when I went to Frisco. Yeah. That we just insane. talked about it in the last episepisode with the big PGA course that's mm-hmm. coming there and how Frisco isn't even a suburb of Dallas anymore. It's yeah. Frisco. Wow. Like it's its own thing. It's like the new Orlando. But yeah. Disney. Wow. Exactly. Is it going to be DFFW soon? (laughs) I love that. That's pretty good. Good for you. You should copyright that. The more Fs, the better, I think. (laughs) It's funny, though, to think that you've been gone this long because you're still like vital to the local theater scene. Oh, that's so nice. You really are. Thank you. When we did the tour of Buyer and Seller, I said, I have to go to Dallas. We have to take it to Dallas because I love the Dallas theater scene. I always love the Dallas theater scene. That's where I learned theater Mm -hmm. and fell in love with theater. And I always wanted to come back. I always wanted to come do something. And when I learned about Uptown Players, this amazing LGBTQ theater company, I saw some of their stuff and I got to know the people who run it, Jeff Rain and Craig Lynch. And we always talked, well, what could we do? And this play, Silver Foxes, was written by uh, Stan Zimmerman and James Berg, who are TV comedy writers from some of your favorite shows like Golden Girls and The Nanny and Gilmore Girls. And they wrote movies like the version of Annie, the musical that was on TV, the Brady Bunch movies. I love Um, those. So they're like real pros. They're a big deal. And they, they, they decided they wanted to write a play. And I'm friends with them from showbiz. I became friends with Stan first. You know, when I host stuff, Stan is my go-to guy to make my stuff funny. And so he was like, listen, we've written a play. You do theater. Well, you look at it. And we started talking about it. And, and I haven't directed a lot, but I've directed a little bit. And I saw it. I could, I, I could see it. So I've been with it for a few years now. And when Jeff heard about it, Jeff Rain from the Uptown Players heard about it, he said, I want to know more. And here we are. And the way we learned about this is BJ Cleveland, who's a friend of the podcast. We actually had him on discussing like best places to go for theater nights, so, which we right. need to talk about with you. Oh, absolutely. But um, BJ Cleveland, just a legendary local actor. He's amazing. I mean, since I was a kid, I've yeah. known who that is. BJ and the Super Ones, he used to host cartoons when I was a kid. Right. He was on the Facts of Life. And he's really good in the show. The cast is incredible. We have an amazing local cast who are just amazing. Well, cool. Well, let's talk about food a little bit Please. and growing up I'm in starving. Plano. Like what? What, yeah, what did you eat growing up in Plano? Like, well, what was there? Did they have food there? In there's Plano? food in Plano. There's food in Plano. There's a Chili's on every corner. Um, I actually love Chili's. And now that I'm like an adult, I have to remind myself that there are other places because I love me some Chili's. Well, wait. Okay. And we need to ask this question for Sarah Blaskovich. Yes. Um, since they just discontinued the original chicken tenders. Mm-hmm. The crispers. Okay. Yes. Okay. Did yep. you eat the crispers or do you like the new version? I, I don't know because I wasn't a chicken crispy tender per person. <laughs> I was an old timer with cheese oh, and chips with the and salsa. Stuck, yeah, with the like, knife and chips and salsa. That's yeah. the thing about like Texas, like the chips and salsa anywhere you go here is superior to anywhere else. Um, Good to know. And chips and salsa is probably my favorite food. But like the other night I went to Bolero and I ate my weight in chips and salsa. They just kept coming and I just kept <laughs> eating. But chilies, those thin, delicious, crispy, oily chips and uh-huh. they're, they're like watery salsa. Oh, just great. Does it, okay, yeah. so if you're going to the grocery store to buy salsa, what do you get? Erdez. That's Erd- good to Erdez know. Erdez is my go-to. You ever have, have a corn chip? It's called have a corn chip. 
No. What is that? They have them at Whole Foods here. I discovered them in California. They're made with uh, soy sauce. Really? Yeah. They're really good. That sounds amazing. Really, really good. And what are they called? I think it's called have a corn chip. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, am I, am I spelling this right in my head? Have a corn yeah. chip. Have a yeah. corn chip. And they come in, it's a small bag. I mean, it's like 30 chips. It's not a lot. Um, <laughs> you really can only have, have one corn yeah. chip. Yes, a chip. Yeah, a chip. exactly, yes. exactly. <laughs> and they are soy saucy and they're really good. Where do you get these? Whole Foods. That's Whole going foods. on my list. Yeah. yeah. And so you say you went to Bolero when you were here. Where else have you gone since you've Since been I've been here? Okay, so I went to this place, my friend Nico Martini, um, mm-hmm. You know Nico? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so he's one of my very best friends in the whole world. Oh, great. And he is Mr. Dallas. Yeah. He literally wrote the book about Texas cocktails and right. Texas whiskey. He has these two books out. Right. And he has his own whiskey called Grayson. Yeah. He and his wife, Sarah, took me to the Brass Rail. Oh, Brass Ram. I'm sorry. It's the Brass okay. Rail is a strip club I went to in Toronto. <laughs> um, the Brass Ram. Uh-huh. Holy crap, is that a good restaurant? Gorgeous decor. The food is incredible. Mm-hmm. I like a martini. And they talked me into something. Um, it was this other kind of martini, but it had dill in it. Oh. I know. I was like. I, sorry, I, I don't like dill I at made all. The, I made that Julie Fisk. Um, <laughs> that, that face. The face. I, I was like, I don't know about dill, but he kept talking it up. It was delicious. The dill was very subtle. Anyway, bra- brass ram. Yes. <laughs> Not to yeah. be confused with the Toronto Strip Club I went to. <laughs> is incredible. That's like probably the best thing I've done since I've been here Excellent. this time, this trip. Yeah. Have you been to the Clifton Club yet? I know they're famous Ooh. for their martinis. No. You would, you would love that Where's place. that? Um, Henderson. Yeah. If Sarah Blaskovich was sitting here, she would say Clifton Club for their martinis because that's okay. one of her favorite places too. They okay, also have great. cigarettes on the menu for $3. Yes. Really? I feel like that's a very New York thing. And like when can... we saw that, we were like, is this New York? A Lucy. Is this a that's di- called a Lucy. Okay. Really? Yeah. A Lucy, yeah. Oh, we just learned something. Yeah. A Lucy. Cigarette. And we still don't know where you smoke it. We don't know where. Yeah, you're not allowed to smoke it there. Yeah. Probably right. not on the out front either. Yeah. Right. They yeah. probably leave a window open in the bathroom and you have to just go stand next to it. Yeah. You know, like back in middle school. Ooh, that makes me want a cigarette. I know. <laughs> it does. Yes. I want to spend $3 on a four minute. <laughs> Lame high. Uh, yeah. I guess you're kind of a bar and cocktail guy, right? Like, so what else do you well, like, I like to drink? I do like scotch. I really like the browns. There's a scotch called Laphroaig that I'm really into. Actually, I started drinking Laphroaig when I was doing Buyer and Cellar because that was a really challenging gig. It was a oh, I'm sure. hundred minute play. All you. All me. I never left the stage. I did eight shows a week in New York off Broadway for like a year and I was really exhausted. And the producers, who I love, they wouldn't back down on doing five show weekends. So a five show weekend is Friday night, Saturday afternoon, Saturday night, Sunday afternoon, Sunday night. So by Sunday night, you are fried. Yeah, you need scotch. You need a scotch. But you also like cannot afford any kind of hangover. So I had had this Laphroaig, maybe in Scotland, but you can get it anywhere. And it was so delicious and so smooth. It's, It's actually really smoky peaty. A lot of people don't like it Mm -hmm. because it's real intense, but I love it. It has a real like kick. It's like drinking a campfire, basically. How do you you drink it? I drink it with a big rock, which like slowly dilutes it. So the first few sips are woo. And then, you know, as you keep going, it's easier to drink and you can't drink much of it. And so what do you kind of eat while you're working? When I'm in a play acting on stage, I I eat real clean. I become a creature of habit. So I, I sort of find what's right for me and then I stick to it because I don't like 
anything going on in my stomach when I'm on stage. I don't like going on stage bloated or gassy or burpy. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I don't want any of that stuff when I'm when I'm doing a play. I don't want to be thinking about any of that. So yeah. I try to eat real clean and stay away from onions and sauces and spicy can help because it clears out your sinuses, but not anything that's like going to come back. I feel like yeah. there's a, a good story behind all of this. Like <laughs> the yeah. day you learn that lesson. <laughs> I, I have been over the years prone to food poisoning. Oh. And so I, I guess I have a kind of a sensitive stomach. That's like the worst kind of sick. It's honestly, so it bad. Is. All you want is to drink a gallon of water, but you can't even take a sip because yeah. you'll throw it back up. So aside from chilies, um, tell us about your other places in Plano that you like to eat at. Um, well, Texas has a real kolache thing going on, oh, yeah. which we don't have most places. And when I was growing up, my mother and my sister at a certain point worked at this place in Plano called the Kalachi Station that RIP is not there anymore. Oh, but it was. Do you know it? Do no. you, oh, oh, gosh. I it was, was going to go, though. Oh, it, it, it was so good. And I know because one of the actors brought in kolache. So there's other kolache places. And of course, when I drive from Dallas to Austin, mm-hmm. I always stop in West right. and get kolaches. Okay. So where do you go? Because my daughter's at UT and oh. we have the big Slovaceks or check, check stop. stop. Check stop is where I've gone before. But I also, maybe I'm basic, but I've also gone to Bucky's. And they have fantastic. I don't think anyone's going to fault you for going to Bucky's is amazing. It's a beacon in the night and you can't look away. And the kolaches were fantastic. Well, that's good to know because I've never gotten them there. Oh, really good. And the beef jerky is to die for. Yeah. So my mom worked at the kolache station. And Uh so we always had kolaches in our freezer. Because, you know, if they didn't sell them the first day, you could freeze them and then reheat them. And they're amazing. So we always had kolaches and they had the most incredible cinnamon rolls and sausage rolls. And we don't have kolaches in New York. I mean, I'm sure that some somewhere there's a Czech bakery and you can get kolaches, but it's not a thing. New York is donuts and, you know, croissants and stuff. So I love getting a kolache when I'm back in Texas. And then the other place growing up in Plano, there was this Tex-Mex place right across the street from the Kalachi station called Papayas, Parker and Independence, right behind the Blockbuster. I am dating myself. (laughs) And um, it was perfect. I mean, you know, the husband and wife were there all the time. It was so delicious. I hope that they have another restaurant somewhere else. I'm going to have to look them up. We went there all the time. It was right by our house. And there was a night when we went there and we had dinner and then we were going somewhere else. So we were kind of in a hurry and we had dinner and then we were maybe going to the movies or something. We left and my dad is a clock Nazi. He's like <laughs> very stressed about time. <laughs> and so we were leaving and he goes, I forgot to leave a tip. Aww. And we turned around Aww. and went back and gave our waitress a tip. And I'll never forget it because, you know, I'll never not tip. Yeah. Not just because of that, but like he didn't just say, well, I'll get them the next time. We're there all the time. He said, no, I'm going to go work right now right. and make good on this, even though it might make us on time <laughs> instead of early. <laughs> to where <we're> going. <laughs> so before you go, yeah. we do need your suggestions since you are so familiar with the local theater scene. So oh. let's say you're going to go out for cocktails, you're going to go out for dinner and then maybe go someplace afterwards. What would your night look like? Well, I, I think the Brass Ram is my new favorite restaurant in um, Dallas. Yeah. There's also a great restaurant that I went to for lunch, but I, th- I would love to go back for dinner called the Meddlesome Moth. Yeah. And I went to this amazing Mezcal bar with Nico. Las Almas Rotas? Yes. 
Did you know it's haunted? <laughs> we we taped there oh, our really? Halloween episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whoa! Well, it's it has a very Day of the Dead you know yeah. thing going on in mm-hmm. there, and it feels so authentic. It was delicious. Okay, and then favorite twenty four hour restaurant. You know, you, you leave the theater, you leave the bars. Where are you going to get Here? something to eat on your way home? Ooh, yes. Well, Whataburger. I mean, uh, that's what I took. So these guys that wrote my play when we were in town doing casting for the show and then we would get get out late because you know in Dallas we rehearse at night Mm -hmm. and they were like take us to the boys town and let's go to a a bar I didn't take them to the roundup I was saving it we went to a (laughs) couple gay bars and then they were hungry I was like well you know you guys are California guys have you ever eaten a hamburger and have you ever done it at night? And they were like, no, let's go, let's go. And so we went <laughs> to Whataburger and got the biggest, juiciest burgers at like midnight after a couple of drinks and oh, nothing, nothing is as good as that. And they liked it? They loved it. Okay, good. They still talk about oh, it. Oh, that's excellent. One of good them to took know. the bun off and just ate the meat, but. <laughs> Did he get stared at? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got chased out of town, but. I mean, you can't, you can't beat it. And if you get but there late enough or early enough the next morning, you can get breakfast tacos. The tacos. I know. Yes. I've, done, I've definitely done that before too. I've done a Whataburger on the way to the airport before. It's Excellent. I'm it's- also on this new TV show called Shrinking on Apple TV Plus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tell us about that. That I should plug yes. that people might like. I don't know how much eating there is in it. There's it's a okay. funny episode about a potato, um, but <laughs> it's a really great show about grief. It's a comedy Aww. from the people who write Ted Lasso. It stars Jason Siegel and Harris. And Ford. What is it like working with him? Oh my gosh, really cool. Both of them are just fantastic. Jason Siegel's like the sweetest, warmest individual, knows everyone on the crew's name. And if he doesn't, he asks for it. You know, you know, like he's just so sweet, so lovely. Also a writer on the show and a creator of the show. Bill Lawrence, who created Scrubs and Cougar Town and Ted Lasso, is the creator with Jason and Brett Goldstein, who plays Roy Kent on um, Ted Lasso. So they write write the show and he's so great. Nothing like his character. He's actually a very (laughs) sweet, cheeky guy. It's about a guy who's dealing with the loss of his wife and he's a therapist. He starts treating his patients very differently over the course of the show. He starts telling them what to do instead of asking them how they feel. And (laughs) the, you know, effects are sometimes great and sometimes horrible horrible. And it's very funny, very sweet. It also really brings up a lot of mental health issues that yeah. I think stigmas are being, you know, dropped these days for all of us. Right. As we continue to come out of the pandemic and we're all dealing with grief. Mm-hmm. We're talking about mental health more and more. Um, Harrison Ford plays his mentor in the practice along with Jessica Williams and I'm Jason's best friend. And as all great TV shows do, they have a cast of characters that they find ways to integrate with one another. And so I'm Harrison's estate lawyer and I'm also friends with Jessica and I know their neighbors. You know, so you sort of become a TV character family. And so I had the most wonderful time shooting it. Uh, it's on Friday nights on Apple TV Plus. Check it out. I think you, I think it's really great. I'm really, really proud of it. And that sounds wonderful. Yeah. It sounds like something. God, I congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. That's enormous. Thank you so much. It's cool. It's, I felt really lucky to get it. I had some imposter syndrome actually at the beginning. I was like, are they sure? <laughs> are they sure that? Cause I didn't know anyone. It's, it's rare in show business to end up somewhere. I mean, look at this. I I'm here because of you. Cause I know you, Julia, like it's always something, you know, right. someone from before, but this was no one. I didn't knew no one. I made an audition tape. 
and then forgot about it. And about a month later, they're like, hey, you got this job. And I was like, wait, what? And then like another month went by and I'm, suddenly I'm working with these people. One, two, three best friends, you know. That's oh amazing. Gosh, that's exciting. Yeah, that's cool. Thank you so much, Michael, for being here. This was so fun. Thank you. So be sure to catch his Silver Foxes play with Uptown Players at Theater 3. Tickets are going fast, but it runs March 2nd through 12th. Yep. Oh, and be sure to catch him on Shrinking on Apple TV Plus with yes. Harrison Ford and Jason Siegel. Yes. Which I keep wanting to call shrinkage. <laughs> it's <laughs> not shrinkage, not it's shrinking. <laughs> and that's all the time we have for Eat Drink DFW this week. Thank you all for joining and I hope we've made you hungry for more. We also want to hear from you. So share your food thoughts, favorite restaurants or tasty recipes with us at eatdrinkatdallasnews.com. The show is produced by Julie Fisk. To stay up to date on every episode of the show and hear more from our newsroom, just follow the Dallas Morning News wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, please rate the show and give us a good review. Find links to everything we do at dallasnews.com slash listen. You'll also find a special membership offer there just for listeners. For the news, I'm Aaron Bookie. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Eat Drink DFW from the Dallas Morning News is made possible by Central Market.